Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. However, wherever, whenever you're listening, this is the Root for Wisconsin Show, episode 125. Coming at you from the Riverwood Gallery Studio in Pierre, Wisconsin, I'm host, producer, Big E, Eric Fisher. Joining me this week, member of the Highway 22 crew, Sean Klossman. Sean, how you doing, buddy? Doing good, how are you? Doing fantastic. Uh, a lot of football coming up. This is pretty much going to be a football episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we might get into a little bit of baseball, just as playoff races are going, but it's it's going to be a football-heavy episode. Plain as that, but very excited about that. Uh, before we get into it, got to always talk about our friends over at Raging Pro Wrestling, RPW. Uh, next event, they've got back-to-back days, February, or excuse me, November 3rd and November 4th. February 10th is the event after that, mm-hmm. uh, which I was going to get at, because originally speaking, on February, or excuse me, on November 4th, uh, former Impact star Tessa Blanchard, the daughter of Tully Blanchard, was supposed to be main eventing that show. Uh, she had an academic obligation. What that means, I don't really know. But she has an academic obligation, and she will have to push off her appearance to the February 10th show, that being back at the watering hole in Green Bay. Uh, so the new main event for that show, uh, it'll still be Kira Hogan coming from AEW, but replacing her will be AEW superstar Diamante. Uh, so that is one of the many matches announced for that show already. Uh, also, the night before, kind of the, the highlight match of that, in my book anyway, is going to be Preston Palmer uh, taking on Hornswoggle. I don't know if it's actually officially Swaggle. It might be officially Swaggle. I don't want to get sued, but... I think it's Swaggle. Um, yes, yeah, so if WWE's listening, don't... Uh, innocent mistake. My bad. My bad. Um, but so i got to mention that. Tickets are available at the venues, which would be the... for the November 3rd show, the Wapaka Event Center, and for the... November 4th show, that is the Big Apple in Manitowoc. So tickets available at both those as well as Look Sharp in the Fox River Mall. And as always at Raging Pro Wrestling, or RPWProWrestling.com. So if you want tickets, be sure to get them. They are going quick. You do not want to miss any of the action. And truly... Just a great time. So we will be at both. We are slated to be at both shows. Um, as it has gone, things have come up where we have <laughs> not been at an RPW show since January. Right. So we are slated to be at both. Very excited for that likely possibility. But never guarantee anything. So RPW Homecoming 1, November 3rd. RPW Destiny 3, November 4th. Tickets available for both. Also, got to talk about our friends over at Raise Energy, repsports.com, code root 4 root number 4, 15% off any order. Code root 4, Raise Energy, Rep Sports, the lifestyle brand that always just keeps going. Uh, sponsoring Corey LaJoy's race car for the weekend. So, as always, like I said, just be sure to check them out and get your 
energy drink needs and fitness lifestyle products met. Uh, with that, we get into the episode itself, and that is, we start off with, as always, what we have rooted for in the previous week. That is brought to you by Fanatics, over 300-plus powered stores, including NFL football, the official on-field gear, NFL football getting back underway this week, officially with the regular season. Whether you're a Packer fan, Jets fan, Bills, Bengals, um, Gotta throw in the Buccaneers because Tom Brady used to play there. Throwing in the Raiders because Tom Brady partially owns them. I'm trying to, I think that covers all of our group of Wisconsin interests, does it not? I think so. Uh, but what, whatever team you're a fan of, for our Lions fans out there, are, we've got Bengals fans, including Shauna. Get your official merchandise from Fanatics and show off your love for your team with 2020, hashtag 2023 Fanatics kickoff. With that, Sean, what had you rooted for in the last week? I think I think it was just a good Labor Day weekend, and it was it was pretty good. Besides getting a touch of heat stroke on Saturday, but it could have been a lot worse. Yeah, very. Um, for those of you that don't know, and it, it's kind of going nationwide, so I guess people that right. I, I know we have a couple international listeners, so I guess I gotta I gotta say it. Though thanks to our folks out in Belgium who listen, but um, it has been hotter than hell this last five days. It was super cool almost all of last week, and now it is, we're almost at the tail end of it, but it has been just scorching hot, humid, miserable all the way around um, here in northeast Wisconsin, and really all of Wisconsin for as a whole, so it's been it's been rough. Um, Sean works outside, so he has the worst end of it. But I'll, I'll stop there. Uh, my my root for I'm just gonna go real simple here. Getting football games that matter back on TV. Um, just as always, a splendid weekend of college football, high school football, and. Fantasy football drafts, it's it's time. It's time, Sean. It's time. No more supposing, no more postulation, none of that. It's time for games that matter. Uh, so that is my root for. With that, we go from the positives to the negatives. Tyler Hero, Noogie of the Week. And, Sean, you got one ready, or do you want me to go first? I'm just going to reiterate the heat. That's going to be my <laughs> I don't blame you whatsoever. Well, that, that's what it's going to be. I am going to go with Vegas bookmakers. Okay. Because you, you can't tell me that anyone rightfully thinking should have had Colorado as a 20-point underdog with their first game with Coach Primetime Sanders. Right. A 20-point dog and plus 800 money line for a team that TCU replaced. I think they had one starter return from last year's National Championship runner-up game. And, yes, Colorado was 1-11 last year, but no one from that team is on this team. 
and it's coach primetime Sanders. Like, there, there's, there's no way they're going to lose by 20. They're and in right. fact, then they go on and get a back-and-forth seesaw Big 12-style win mm-hmm. uh, late in that game. So, all in all, it was a very fun game to watch, but 20-point dog, Vegas, what, what's... You've made a lot of people a lot of money, and I'm pissed off that I did not know until it was too late that that game was plus 800. Right. I, that's just one of those where you like see that, and you know you look at what the money line would have been, the spread would have been, like what the payout on just if they cover that 20, that's a no-brainer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now we've gone to the point where it's, I think, the Colorado-Nebraska game is the most bet-on sporting event of the week. (laughs) Even over the start of any of the NFL games. That makes total sense. And I think after Saturday, it actually opened up as Nebraska being favored and very quickly, very quickly, became Colorado being favored. So... Uh, We'll talk about that more throughout the episode, but I had to get that out of the way. Uh, No trivia this week, as Secretary Shauna is enjoying the air conditioning and staying out of the heat because she worked in it all day in a third-story school building that has no air. So she gets the night off. Um, She does contribute a little bit later in the show, i I got to say. Uh Uh-oh. We do have our our annual weekly pick segment coming up. Uh, where we pick all 16 or however many NFL games there are for the week. So we will, I have her picks on my phone. Uh, we will go through those a little bit later as well. Do you want to start off with our Wisconsin web story of the week? And, you know, quite frankly, Labor Day weekend always kind of sucks for news. Right. Often a lot of accidents and, and sadness and tragic stories because of, you know, for three day weekend, people are getting their lives and bad things happen because alcohol and heat and dumb people and fibs driving around our state thinking they know what's going on. But there is a positive story that happened this weekend, Sean, and I would be remiss if I did not talk about this because it is something that I had no idea was even on the radar, and that is Brett Michaels promising a Krivitz concert next summer after surprise visit. Yep. So this story coming courtesy of Fox 11 News in Green Bay, WLUK. Uh, Wisconsin Northwoods had its fair share of rock stars Labor Day weekend. Uh, as most people know, Kiss performed a concert at the Crennan International Raceway, and Poison frontman Brett Michaels made a surprise visit to Krivitz, who was vi- while he was visiting his mother, who lives in Krivitz. Um, it was nothing but a good time in Krivitz for... Brett Michaels, he said, quote, the people there were great, and so was the lake. So much so that Michaels promised Krivitz a concert next summer. Um, He said, quote, I'm surprising everyone next summer. I'm going to pick a date. We're going to do a big concert in Krivitz, Wisconsin, he declared. Uh, Later this week, actually, he is performing here in Green Bay at Capital Credit Union Park in Ashwaubenon, home of the Green Bay Rockers. Uh, He will be performing a concert with special guests Dee Snyder of Twisted Sister, Lou Graham of Foreigner, and Steve Augury of Journey. 
and that's taking place this coming weekend. So a pair uh, tickets are still available for that show if you're interested. And again, uh, Brett Michaels coming to Krivitz, Wisconsin next summer. Can I, can I go with another one? Go ahead. There's a Bucky's coming to Wisconsin. There is a Bucky's coming to Wisconsin at Deerfield, correct? The Forest. The Forest. I, I knew it was one of those D. Yep. Which is which is very exciting. So now we can just take a short drive to go to the Forest to go to Bucky's. Because it, it's it's an experience. You know who is probably more stoked about that than anybody else besides maybe you? That's gotta be our guy Ramsey. Ramsey yeah. Ramsey loves Bucky's to the point where he was on a trip actually this time last year, um, where they had a family wedding and they drove I think two, three hours each way to go to Bucky's like that weekend when they were supposed to be there for that wedding, the family wedding. Um Coming into DeForest, Wisconsin, that is prime quick trip country. Right, that's what I was thinking. I was very surprised that quick trip let this happen, but it so and I guess here we go. It's gonna start. It's exciting. Mm-hmm. Very exciting. So, great, great stories for the week. Um, always worth talking about, you know, quick trip and now. The big rival Bucky's coming into the state. Right. The only one really missing is, uh, was it Casey's is the other one? Mm-hmm. Yep, that's the other one. And uh, nothing, I think there's one in Wisconsin, or a couple in Wisconsin. There's one in Oshkosh or Appleton. A Casey's? I believe so. I have no idea. Let me... Yeah, there's one in Menasha, one in Oshkosh, or two in Oshkosh. Nice. So, quick trip, uh, getting a little run for their money here now. Hopefully, the, you know, they're going to step up. It's going to be a competition of all competitions for gas station convenience store supremacy. Right, and I'm here for it. I'm definitely I, here for it. I am here for it as well. Very excited. It, it is long overdue. Very. <clears throat> all right, Sean. Let's jump into the world of sports. We've got a lot to talk about. We're only 15 minutes in, so buckle up to our listeners as we have just a boatload of stuff to talk about. Um, first of all, I, I, before we act, okay, I'm going to take a step back. Got to talk about the world of pro wrestling, which is well, it's sports. We're, we're going to talk about stuff. Um, first and foremost, uh, got to say that two pay-per-view slash premium live events over the weekend in the world of wrestling. Uh, WWE Payback and was it All In or All Out this weekend for AW? I think it was All In. Um, two pretty good shows all things considered. Um, I have been trying to sit and watch all of Payback. Uh, just have been super busy Memorial, you know, Labor Day weekend. Right. Not a lot of time to sit inside, but um have not had a chance to watch it all the way through. Know all the results. Uh, I'm not going to watch AEW because you have to pay for it. I'm mm-hmm. not going to pay 60 bucks for a replay. But um, two huge events that should be the main story of the rest of the world, but is not because CM Punk made the news again and has been fired by AEW um, for allegedly a 
backstage confrontation with Jack Perry, aka or FKA, formerly known as Jungle Boy, um, son of the late actor Luke Perry, and they got into it apparently over a spot and. Jack Perry during his match on was it Collision? I think or so. Or Dynamite, one of the two. Uh, looked in the camera and taunted Punk about something they had argued about backstage. It got heated backstage, apparently. Tony Khan, the owner of AW, says that he felt threatened for his life, which I think is probably overkill. But all in all, CM Punk no longer part of AEW, which makes AEW just that much less watchable on a weekly basis. Yeah, but it's ha- it's happened enough with CM Punk now that he's just been he's been the issue more than anything. Oh, absolutely! I'm not. I, it's such a weird place to be because I don't think he's wrong about a lot of stuff. Like, each of these cases, you know, the big cases individually, you know, I don't hate him for going after the Young Bucks and and uh, Kenny Omega and, you know, how they book themselves and yada, yada, yada with that. I think he's right about that as a whole. But I feel like he would do the same thing. Oh, absolutely. So, um, it's pot calling Kettle Black on that for a lot of things that he's been doing. And then, I mean, the whole, I mean, the, it's its when it gets to the point of, like, violence obviously becomes the issue. Um, which at the same time, though, like, I mean, you look at, like, the old school WWE was never an issue. I mean, it was an issue. You had guys fight, but it wasn't as frequent. And it really seems to be more than just punk in AEW. It seems to be like an AEW culture thing as a whole, which is slightly concerning. Uh, for the longevity of that promotion, but I think I think there's a lot more stuff that they let the guys get away with than what WWE does. Oh, absolutely. That's I mean, probably a lot of it. But the other thing of it too is you have AEW such a weird promotion as a whole because WWE go ninety not or probably ninety percent of competitors now go through NXT to get the WWE styling, if you will, get the, you know, the lay of the land and how things are going to go and whatever. And then they go to the quote-unquote main roster and you fall in line. And there's enough, you know, veteran presence there. Like, you know, guys, even like The Miz and, you know, you name it. There's guys there that have been there. Sheamus, uh, Drew McIntyre has been there for a long time between both stints. Rey Mysterio, all these different guys who have sir. I mean, they've been their time and and are these big backstage presence and kind of control everything in a good way. And then you also have now you have Triple H and Shawn Michaels, guys who are closer to these performers than like an age and in kind of experience than Vince was. So you don't have a huge kind of learning curve gap anymore. And a lot of the roster, you know, again, you look at the NXT where that was Triple H's baby 
and he has these guys and gals going basically what he had them going when they first came to the company. And they respect the hell out of the guy. You look at AEW on the flip side, though, you have a fan, you know, and that's nothing nothing wrong with, you know, wrestling is for the fans. But you have a fan running the promotion in Tony Khan who brings in so many, like, indie stars where things are totally night and day different than it is in the TV world. And it just becomes this huge, I guess, kind of culture shock, if you will. You know, there's not like an established locker room guy. Chris Jericho is probably the closest, but. I would say him or Christian. But of what it's supposed to be, but you have these guys, you have like the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega, who are technically the EVPs and form the company. But they're also in the heat of everything as well. They're, you know, doing their own storylines and this, that, and the other thing with just, you know, doing their work. Um, and not probably policing guys because, I mean, they've been at the forefront of some of these issues too. Right. And I think it's going to be very interesting that, because you know CM Punk's going to talk about it at some point. Right. You know, Cody... Cody took the high road and didn't because, you know, it was, he was part of the original founders and he went out on his terms and it was all about getting back to WWE. It was never about living AEW. Right. Um, but on the flip side, you've got Bill Brooks, AKA CM Punk, who really doesn't have to hold anything back. I mean, he's been there. He's seen a thing or two. You know, he's had a tumultuous and cult, really, I mean, living up to the cult's personality lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Um, for those of you that don't know, that's his entrance on cult personality. But um, really is a fireball and a loose cannon and has had issues almost everywhere he's gone, but has also made the product significantly better as well. And, I mean, if he never wrestles again, I'm sure he'll be fine with that. And he doesn't have to. No, he doesn't have to. Um, I know that there's already calls for him to make one last WWE run, starting with Survivor Series through WrestleMania, which Survivor Series, ironically, is in Chicago. Um, I'm gonna, I don't foresee that happening. I think there's enough burned bridges. I, I don't I don't see what it would benefit. Right. WCW. It doesn't make sense. I mean, Punk had no problem putting a lot of people over. I mean, I, look, I mean MJF he put over to the moon and just was the perfect foil for him. Right. And I I don't think there is that person in WWE right now. No. L.A. Knight, maybe, but he's got the Cena rub right now. He's got the Miz, which is a perfect opponent and foil for him. Right. Um, So I don't think you need CM Punk for that, but that maybe be the only one I could think of of people he hasn't faced or whatever. Yeah, I can't can't think of anybody off the top of my head. 
Um, maybe some of the ROH guys, like a, like a Seth Rollins or like Kevin Owens, but even that's kind of, right. it's not needed. It'd be nice no. under different circumstances. Right. But it's, just, it's not, I don't think it's likely. No. I totally you know, agree on that. When Cody left AEW and was very clear that he was leaving, it was the world's worst kept secret that he was going to WWE. And the only reason it was a secret is because he didn't officially announce it. But everybody knew what was going to come. Right. This, I mean, if it happened, I would be shocked. I would watch. But I'd be more curious on how it happened than than what? actually enjoying the moment of it. Right. And a lot of people are saying that it could be just a, it could be fake and it could all be a storyline. And but I don't know if I even believe that. I I don't see the end game of that. You know, that's well, the next the, the next, thing. the next pay per view Chicago for AEW. Right. It's either all in or all out, whichever whichever one it is. It's in Chicago. Right. As I had seen, but it's still doesn't make any sense just because it's Chicago. That's the only thing that's even kind of pushing us to why it'd possibly be a work, not a shoot. Right. But I, yeah, I just, I cannot explain the, again, there's not, there's not a win there. No. Um, so that's, that's the world of wrestling right now. I know we didn't talk, I never talked about it last week, but uh, we've got to always, you know, I also got to mention because we haven't mentioned it on the show. Um, R.I.P. Terry Funk, Bray Wyatt. We kind of skipped over that last week. Um, mm-hmm. So got to throw that out there as well. And then one quick promo I got to throw out as well um, in the world of wrestling. For those of you that have Netflix, uh, there is a show about OVW coming to Netflix September 13th. Um, kind of the behind the scenes. And it's, um, oh, what's his name? Al Snow is the one who runs uh, OVW, the former WWE developmental territory. It is no longer affiliated with WWE, but there are, if you go to RPW, and that's why I'm mentioning it, is if you go to RPW, there's a lot of faces that you are going to recognize in this document, in this show, this documentary of uh, Ohio Valley Wrestling. Um, Oh, so it's about OVW now? Yeah. I believe it's a combination of what it was, what it is now, um, why Al Snow is so, and you know why he got involved, and why he's kind of the head of their creative, and also, like I said, the the now showing off these, you know, what it's like to be a you know, an indie star, if you will, who you know, on one of the former larger territories, uh, developmental territories. Um, I believe TW3, who is the reigning um, RPW Cruiserweight Championship or champion, has very much hinted at his appearance. I don't believe he's officially confirmed, but I also know that he is in OVW and a regular there like every week. So I would be led to believe that he is there. Um, a couple other names I saw watching the trailer uh, Hollywood, uh, Haley J, whatever her name is. Uh, she has wrestled a few of the women's shows and uh, has had a championship match for the women's championship as well. 
So she is a prominent person in the trailer that I saw. Um, but you will see talent that is at RPW frequently at this or on their show. Uh, so be sure to check that out as well. Sweet. So with that, Sean, uh, we get into the world of actual sports, I guess. I, I hate saying that, but we right. get into the world of what most people consider actual sports, uh, sports entertainment. Uh, starting here with the Milwaukee Brewers, who do still hold a two-and-a-half game lead in the NL Central. Magic number of 23 for the Central. Um, and currently leading Pittsburgh in the top of the six, seven nothing. Had a six-run onslaught. Um, in the or top of the fifth, and so they currently lead six nothing or seven nothing. Uh, South Frederick just let off the top of the sixth with a leadoff double. Also, just one of the again, you know, we talk about football and how great it is right now and how excited we are. Scoreboard watching season in baseball has to be one of the most fun times of year as well where all these games are amplified, all these, you know, all these watching, you know, you're watching the third place team, the second place team, and the wild card teams, and this, that, and the other thing. Um, so Brewers have a two-and-a-half game lead on Chicago, who is currently trailing the San Francisco Giants to nothing early on in Wrigley. Um, magic number 23 for the Brewers. Uh, the St. Louis Cardinals... Just, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention this, just because it makes me so happy. The St. Louis Cardinals are in the second-to-worst team in the National League, or third-to-worst, I guess, actually second-worst in um, National League. They have an elimination of the playoffs of 13 and a division elimination number of 9. Um, for what it's worth, no National League team officially has been eliminated at this time, mathematically. Colorado is close at four. Uh, then it's St. Louis, then Washington, the Mets, uh, Mets, Pirates, and San Diego Padres are all at 17 games. The Giants are at 23, the Marlins 24, and then um, Miami is, or is at 24 as well. And they are a half game out of the wild card contention. There's five teams fighting for three wild card spots. Uh, Philadelphia is your current wild card leader by five and a half games. Then it's the Cubs, three and a half games up for the final spot. Arizona and Cincinnati are tied, but it looks like Arizona might have a tiebreaker based on how this shakes out. Uh, looking at the American League, and then the Brewers, Braves, and Dodgers are your current division leaders. Um, for those magic numbers, the Braves have a magic number of 12 to clinch the division. Dodgers also at 12. So Shout out, shout out Ronald Acuna, too, for doing something that's never been done before. The 121-mile-an-hour exit velo. No, no, the 30-60 club. Oh, that, too. forgot about that. He had the 30 home runs, 6 stone bases. Mm-hmm. Uh, never been done before. The NL MVP is going to be an interesting conversation. Where up until probably about a month ago, Acuna was the runaway. 
favorite, but Mookie Betts has had one hell of a run here to put himself in that conversation. And I believe betting-wise might be the favorite on that conversation right now as well. And you got to throw Freddie Freeman in there too. That too. Um, just, I guess I'll pull it up here as well. The Futures Award winners. I guess it doesn't happen. We can't, we can't bet it anymore. But um, yeah, the Futures winners right now on that are really interesting when you look at what those odds have been. So it, it's a very close competition between those three, but it's good. It's real close with Mookie and, and Acuna. Um, looking over at the American League real quick, um, Oakland and Kansas City have both been eliminated from their division. I've, I'm assuming that they've also been eliminated from all of playoff contention. They have. Uh, the White Sox are just two games away from being eliminated. Detroit 13, Angels 13, Cleveland 15, the Yankees 18, Boston 21, Toronto 25, and Toronto is a half game back of the last wildcard spot, which is currently Tampa Bay, Houston, and the Texas Rangers with Baltimore, Seattle, and Minnesota, your current uh, division leaders in the American League. So we could we could see a playoffs without the Red Sox, the Yankees, the Cardinals, the Angels. Yeah, the Angels. Well, that's not a huge shock, but just in terms of market size, you got to throw them in there. Right. Right. But yeah, we very well could see that, and I mean, in all likelihood, we're going to see. You know, the Cubs are going to be there, the Phillies, the the Dodgers. You get still get some of the heavy hitters, but. The Mets. The, Be- all- the Mets threw all this money out and got nothing for it. Yeah, sitting at 11 games below 500. Only seven and a half gap back of the wild card, though. It's yeah, not going to happen. They gave away their two aces, so. Right. Um, so that is the kind of look around the playoff standings. Uh, as for the Brewers, a little bit of a rough week last week. Um, they did split, or they lost two out of three to Chicago and then took two out of three from Philadelphia over the weekend. So, all in all, not a terrible week of baseball. Um, I guess you really can't complain too, too much in the grand scheme of things, but would have been great to get two out of three from Chicago instead of losing two out of three. Uh, getting two out of three from Philadelphia was fun. Uh Come from behind win Friday night with the bases clearing error late in the game after going into the top of the eighth, leading three to one. And then another 7-5 victory Saturday night. I believe that was a pretty dominant kind of start to finish win. We got a little dicey at the end, but is what it is. And then pretty back and forth game on Sunday. Uh, they did lose last night to Pittsburgh, so kind of on a two-game skid right now. But again, up seven nothing here, a um, little bit more than halfway through. Uh, the Brewers, for that method um, and for that conversation, just have been, I think, incredibly interesting to watch. And, and two of the better, I think, probably one of their better trade deadlines, team wide. Mm-hmm. 
I agree with you there. Um, I've I've been very impressed with Mark Canna. Uh, Carlos Santana has been a force as well. But Mark Canna, I think, has been one of the best bat pickups at the deadline. The Brewers have probably had in probably five years easily. Yeah. I mean, you look at probably Mike Moustakis as the last as impactful bat in 2018. Yeah, that'd be about it, yeah. And even prior to that, like, I'm trying to think back to, like, 2011 and 2008. And obviously, your mind goes to see Sabathia, which is always going to be the, the end-all, be-all deadline pickup. Um, although he was in June. Willie Adamas doesn't really fit that conversation either because he was an end-of-May pickup. Right. But I, I would confidently say that Mark Cannon and Carlos Santana, for that matter, have been incredible um, pickups. And you look to see, you know, what possibly extending them. Like a story came out yesterday that Carlos Santana has been trying to play in Milwaukee for the last three years. He had told his agent he wanted to come here after his one-year stint in Philadelphia and just never ended up happening for, you know, financial reasons and right where the brewers were at first base wise with different in-house guys already so it, it all makes sense but ends up working out uh carlos santana i believe only two or three home runs away from 300 so kind of keeping your eye on that um mark can i believe i mean he was hitting i think 234 before the brewers picked him up since being acquired by the brewers has been hitting just shy of 300, if I'm not mistaken. So that's been a very a very solid acquisition that I think the Brewers are glad that they made and really didn't have to sell the farm on any of these picks or pickups. Um, I know you kind of, you know, we, we talked about it very briefly, but the report that had broken two weeks ago or three weeks ago that the Brewers were almost going to acquire Pete Alonzo as well at the deadline. Oh, I did not hear this. Um, Ken Rosenthal had reported that the Brewers were very close on Pete Alonso. Um, I'm trying to see as to, I want to get this pulled back up, but it was very close to how it was going to break down. And I believe the um, the report was that the return to the Mets would have had to have been one of the top five guys not named uh, Jackson Chorio. Mm-hmm. So it would have been either Mizorowski, Freilich, um, Tyler Black, and I think there's one more missing in there too, but one of Here, those guys... Mitchell? Or? Uh, no. What I believe he's officially graduated from prospect status. Oh, all right. But I'm just trying to find the official kind of what the rumored conversations we're looking at. Um, it, so Mets official had declared that it was in reach, but the Cubs also had been in on him. Um, Chirio was not under discussion, but one of the other top five prospects, which should have been Sal Freilich, Jefferson Cuero, he's the one I always forget about, double-A catcher, 
uh, Jacob Mazeroski and Tyler Black were all in conversation oh. as possible return uh, for the Mets from the Brewers. So, obviously, the deal didn't end up happening. Um, it probably is for the best, I think, because I think these two pickups were enough. Uh, pitching has been rock solid as of late as well. Uh, Brandon Woodruff on the bump tonight. He is through five and two-thirds as we speak. Uh, I believe he's had a couple runners on, a couple hits here and there sprinkled throughout, but has really been cruising as well. 75 pitches through five and two-thirds. Um, you know, Corbin Burns has really been kind of like the weak spot in the rotation at times, and that's really saying something because he, you know, he gives up a couple solo home runs, doesn't always get the run support. And, you know, the, the age-old conversation of wins being a useless stat, but... See, it seems like he never gets the run support that all these other guys get. For some for some reason the bats go cold whenever he pitches, right? And and Woodruff has been a victim of that a lot in his career too. Uh, right. You know, knock, knock on wood, not tonight so far. You know, seven nothing as of right now. But um, you know, you look at guys. Colin Ray made another spot start on Saturday. So you kind of look at what you know possibilities of him. You know, sticking around. He's kind of been one of September call ups as has Owen Miller. Obviously, the the big September call-up that we're going to be watching is the former AL MVP, Josh Donaldson, uh, to possibly play third base. You know, Andre Monasterio has had a great rookie year, very quietly, when you compare it to Terang and Freilich and Weimer and Garrett Mitchell, but another one of those Brewers rookies that has been a very impactful bat and defensively for that matter um, throughout the season and has kind of cooled off a little bit Um, still I mean tonight has an RBI triple so not totally cooled off either you know still getting very timely hits but really I mean Josh Donaldson I think is a very interesting gamble I mean if you pick him up you sign him to a minor league contract if it works out you look like a genius. It's a big bat that has postseason experience. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. Like no one, it's no skin off anybody's back. Yeah, but what if he comes in and is the cancer that everybody's been talking? He's he is. Well, you have that's why he's still in the minor leagues right now. He's getting at bats. He's getting kind of. You're seeing how he's going, and you know what that's going to look like. But you also, right. I think. I think the big thing is I, and knock on wood, you know I'm not I don't want to say that I think the Brewers are immune to that, but I think for how it happened, it happened in the hater trade last year or a few yeah, years ago, so it was last year, but it it was totally opposite. It that was because they traded one of those blue guys, and so you lost the clubhouse. But why can't it happen the other way around? I mean, it happened with Hunter Renfro, Hunter Renfro, but he got traded, but you can't yeah, really Yeah, that's a valid tra- point. So. I guess it's it not impossible. Happen. It is something to monitor, though. Like I said, if it like, if it works out, it works out. Um, you know, you're never going to be faulted for trying to sign a former MVP. 
as a possible bat to bolster your at times struggling offense. But I, it's a possibility. I'm not. I'm not going to rule it out. But also at the same time, like I said, we don't even know if he's going to make the major league roster at any point. With how the new rule change on how call-ups are where you only get two at any point, he's not a guarantee. Hey. Uh, you know, if Owen Miller gets hot, or depending on how the Brewers feel about Tyler Black once the, the minor league baseball season kind of comes to a wrap, very well could be a possibility where you bring up an in-house guy and you say, thanks, Josh, didn't work out. So I, I, I'm assuming that Matt Arnold and Craig Council and some of that veteran leadership are very, you know, they're very mindful of it and they know what's going on. So I, I trust whatever is happening. I think the Brewers have earned the benefit of the doubt on that at this point, minus the hater trade. But I think that was looked at as a mistake all the way around. I don't think it was ever really up for debate as that it wasn't. Right. So, uh, Giants just increased their lead. They're up 3 nothing on the top of the third. A couple solo home runs now. Uh, Yastrzemski homer to left. So, Giants increasing their lead. Could knock that help us out a little bit tonight. That'd be great. So, kind of monitoring that. Brewers win and Cubs lose. Is that two games? It is two games for, for elimination numbers. So, yep. magic numbers. Yep. Um, for the for standings wise, it's, it would be a, going from three and a half to two or two and a half to three and a half. Yep. But it knocks it down to from twenty three to twenty one. Gotcha. So you have to the Brewers have to win or have the second place team because the Reds are kind of close. They're not as close as they had been, but they would have to lose a combination or win, Brewers have to win or have the second place team lose a combination of twenty one games. Should results hold out to them. Gotcha. So that is our baseball talk. Um, just a real quick shout out to the Wisconsin Timberlers playing their final homestand of the season. I believe they have been eliminated from playoff contention. Uh, just kind of double checking on that as we speak. But for those of you that are fans of the Timber Rattlers, uh, there is still stuff to watch. And that being that actually they have not been because Peoria is only three games ahead of them. Um, as we kind of tick down here to the end of this final week. So very interesting baseball could be still being played in, in Appleton. Uh, the Tim Rattlers are going to get two more starts out of Aaron Ashby, who's on rehab uh, assignments with the Tim Rattlers. So tomorrow, the 6th, which would be Wednesday, and he is also projected to start on the 10th on Sunday. So, so, so your plan is to go Sunday then? Absolutely not. Why not? I'm gonna be sitting my ass in my my recliner watching football all day. Uh, unless unless it is a legitimate like if it's a playoff spot on the line, and it's even or something like that, maybe. But the overwhelming odds are I'm gonna be sitting my ass here watching football. Sounds about right. But it is something worth worth kind of looking keeping on the radar uh tim Brattlers are currently losing to cedar rapids which is a terrible opponent for them to face off on the last week of the season 
uh, as they are one of the best teams in high A. They are losing 4-2 to two in the top of the third in Appleton. Uh, looking at that standings of the Midwest League and the scoreboard, because now we have to watch kind of the other way now. The Peoria Chiefs are tied with Beloit 3-3 to three in the top of the fourth. Uh, Beloit does have runners on first and second with two out on a no-one count. So I kind of have to root for the Sky Carp this week. Yep, you never, thought, never thought you'd hear yourself say that, huh? That's a little painful. I'm not going to lie to you. It's a little painful. But also... I think, I think if the, the Sky Carp help the Timber Rattlers make the playoffs, you got to buy Sky Carp merch. If that's the case, I will, I will buy a Sky Carp hat. No, we need a shirt. I don't know if they make them that big, Sean. Yeah, they do. <laughs> you cut the sleeves off, anything will fit. <laughs> Fair enough. If that's the case, I will look into a hat t-shirt bundle. Perfect. Uh, Tim Brothers just went down 5-2, to two, so going to need some help and need to get a win here as well. So we'll keep our eye on that throughout the night as well and throughout the week as well. Um, so that's a quick real shout-out to the baseball world. Uh, Got to give a quick shout-out, you know, now transitioning to the world of football. Quick shout-out, Coach Dahl, Jill Tigers 2-0. They got the win against Sevastopol on Friday night once again, or Thursday night, excuse me. Uh, that was a pretty lopsided affair as well. Uh, do you have to give Justin a little bit of shit? I mean, he was coaching, so I get it, but... He did miss our fantasy football draft to be coaching football. Yep. Shauna got sniped how many times in the fantasy football draft? And I, I got to say, I, know, I don't know if she's running around here, but I know she was all sorts of upset. Uh, Jill was a 51-30 winner over Sevastopol, so lots of offense for the Tigers. As they head into week three of the season, they are hosting, having their first home game of the season, uh, hosting Surring on Friday night. Yep, my dad was all excited. He got to go cut the football field and do the lines today. So, <laughs> so if they're not straight, we know who to blame. Right, right. So now we know who to blame for that. But uh, where was I going with this? Oh yes. Um, so yeah, face football draft. Uh, honestly, I think this. You know, I know people really don't care about face football, but we're going to talk about it because it's my show. It's our show. Right. So. Uh, real quick, fantasy football-wise, I've got to say, uh, I ended up doing more leagues this year than I expected to. I went in expecting three. I have picked up two extra. So five leagues in total. Um, overall, I feel pretty confident about how I drafted. Um, actually, the only one I'm really regretting right now is the Rupert Wisconsin League because... My first-round pick is possibly going to miss the season opener. And luckily, he's not missing the whole season with an ACL. Right. So, Travis Kelsey did go down with an injury at practice today. Not feared to be serious. Potentially still could play this week. Um, obviously, it's an unknown, so we'll see. But he's, crazy. he's crazy enough. He'll play. That's kind of what I'm thinking. You know, it's it's... Opening night, football season, I, I figure he'll play. I think even if he's 
seventy percent, you still got to throw him out there just for. If he gets the long buy. You know, you get him as a decoy for a whole bunch of the game. Give him a red zone tutter. I'll be a happy guy. Great. But anyway, so just real quick, uh, face football, uh, because it is a serious part of our show, and our loyal listeners do play along. Uh, Tyson sniped Shauna about four or five times. And the amount of anger <laughs> that she was having was nothing short of hilarious. Great. I can only as, imagine. As I'm sitting here watching her just react and overreact and react some more, um, really fun to watch. So shout out to Tyson. You got in her head. And that has been a budding rivalry since day one of this league. Uh, coming down to that championship game in our first season. So that rivalry continues, and Tyson really just ramping it up. Uh, picks Shauna's quarterback. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sniped around the quarterback, sniped around a couple other spots. So uh, that that was a very interesting uh, draft. i got to say, just real quick shout-out to Ramsey. Ramsey had a solid draft. Um, very, very happy with the team that he had. I talked to him earlier this week, and he was very excited for this fantasy football season. Might be his year. I'm not saying it is, but it might finally be the year of Rams um, in our fantasy football league. Didn't he have a good year last year, though? He had a hot season. I don't think he made the playoffs. I think it was kind of the same thing as the year before, where he just missed out. He he was like a game short or something. Maybe he did make it. I got to look at I can look at the standings because we have league history now. Right. So, uh, didn't Mark make the playoffs last year, too? Mark had another good year as well in his first year in the league. Uh, last year, how it shook out. I'm trying to see our, our breakdown. So, you and I played for the championship. And we get each other for week one, too. Right. Um, then it was Mark. Mark finished third. Ramsey did finish fourth. Ramsey was in the playoffs. And then Shauna and Tyson, which was a very fun con- uh, consolation game mm-hmm. in that bottom portion of the winner's bracket. Uh, then a pretty sizable gap for our non-playoff teams. It was Jordan Fifield, Tony Torrentor, uh, David Muller, Jordan Fields, the Lambeau chef, Zach Ludubik, and Coach Dahl. Uh, Coach Dahl did have the best record of those non-playoff teams. He had a six and five regular season. I believe he lost on tiebreaker and ended up finishing dead last in the league. So he did not make it. Um, Is what it is. I'm I'm not going to apologize for it. Right. But all in all, that was our standings last year. Uh, As everyone knows, we did have our draft. Uh, last week, we had Sean and I went to the Tim Brower game to determine the draft order. Had the draft last week, and as as obviously stating, basic football starts this week with week one. Um, backtracking on that just a little bit, though, got to talk some college football here before we get to the Packers, because that's always what we finish up with. Uh, so starting with the Wisconsin Badgers, Badgers do stay at 19 in the AP poll after a 
Kind of messy 21-point win over the University of Buffalo. They were 28.5-point favorites, what they ended up as. Um, and for a new air raid offense, they had 500-some-odd yards at the ground. So, right. I think the other side of that, though, is that, you know, it's always been kind of the conversation that if you get a quarterback that can spread the field, you have receivers that can spread the field. It opens the game up or the ground game up a lot, and that's exactly what the Badgers needed. So, um, ends up being great for the Badgers. They get the 38 17 win over Buffalo, only a 14 10 uh, halftime lead. And things were a little quiet in Camp Randall. Uh, did you get to watch any of the game, Sean? No, I didn't watch any of the game. Um, we were trying to get it to work here, but it, it, we couldn't get it to work. I got to say, Tanner Mordecai, uh, I feel for the guy a little bit. I will say, I'm sure that the pressure in that city on that campus was incredibly high. And all these expectations of air raid offense and totally changing the look of the program um, on day one, game one, was going to be a tough to live up to expectation. So I, I want to put that out there right away. Um, it is going to be an interesting season, I think, with him at the helm. I am... Um, not now that I've seen him play a game, and I actually went back and watched it today as why well, I DVR'd it. I went back and watched some of it today. He makes a lot of good throws. He makes a lot of bad throws. Uh, there's a concern. I think my biggest concern is his feet because he is nonstop like happy feet moving in the pocket and. With that, he threw two interceptions. He had one touchdown uh, in the air as well. Two interceptions, both of which decision-making wasn't great on them, but they were telegraphed throws, which a sixth-year college football player probably shouldn't have happened. And because of his feet, I don't... I'm not enough of a quarterback expert to know, but my... It doesn't seem like he's planting and throwing as much because a lot of balls were left short as well and low. Um, I will give him this. He did have a deep ball to Skylar Bell that should have been a touchdown that Skylar Bell had hit him square in the hands on the run. Did not. He just, it was almost like Christian Watson week one last year. He looked up, he saw the end zone, and he did not complete the catch process. Um, but like I said, they get the win. Ches Malusi and Braylon Allen, as advertised, 200-some-odd yards apiece on the ground. Each had two touchdowns. You know, you, you really can't be mad at that performance. Badger defense, you know, I said 17 points, but really the two touchdowns that they scored were on short fields. So they didn't really, I don't, I would say they didn't really truly give up a score. They got you. Um, obviously they did, but, and it was a little bit of bust coverage on zone where they ran kind of a pick play and had a cross route out corner of the end zone, uh, back corner of the end zone. So it, I mean, it wasn't a touchdown that scored from the offense, but short field, 
doesn't end up um, really being a concern in my book. Uh, Badgers do travel to Pullman, Washington, hoping to avenge the loss that really kind of shook up the team last year and kind of started the spiral. Traveling to Pullman, Washington to play Washington State, uh, where as of right now, that opens up as the Badgers is a six and a half point favorite on the road. Uh, so reading into that with the typical three points for being at home, that's really a 10 point favorite, which Washington State is also 1-0. They did win uh, their week one game against Colorado State, 50-24. to So they're, you know, they are a good team, once again, uh, led by Justin's buddy from O'Connell. So got to shut them out as well. Um, kind of looking at the score breakdown of that game, looks like really not a lot of, I mean, they have a couple touchdowns through the air. Uh, Cameron Ward, the quarterback for Washington State, did finish that game uh, 37 to 49, 451 yards, three touchdowns and interceptions, only a QBR of 76.4. Um, he also rushed for 40 yards at the quarterback spot. So also worth mentioning there. Uh, former Badger running back Nakia Watson. He had seven carries for 15 yards, as well as touchdown through the air. He had a three catches for 16 yards in the score. Um, leading receiver for Washington State was Lincoln Victor. 11 catches, 168 yards, no touchdown. Uh, also scoring was receiver Josh Kelly, seven catches, 97 yards. And Kyle Williams, four catches, 31 yards in the score. Uh, Running-wise, really nothing to speak of running-wise. 90 yards total running yards, um, which 40 of those were the quarterback, Cameron Ward. Um, Josh Mater, Matier, had 4 for 16. Keo Watkins, 7 for 15. And just kind of a, a scrum of other guys here as well. So interesting to see what ends up shaking out this week. Um, like I said, Badgers, a... Six and a half point favorite going into that game, uh, with an you over, you over under 58. Over, over on that, don't you? I believe they hit the over this last week against Buffalo. No, uh, they were up, they were 28, 28 point favorite. They, no, right, they, they did cover, oh. they did not cover the right. spread, the 20 and a half, but they did go over, uh, the 38 17, which I believe the over under on that game was oh, 53. That way. Okay. 38 plus 17, 55. So they did go over. Um, but the six and a half, you almost got to take the over, don't you? I, I, I would say the Badgers. I, I feel confident that they cover this one. You would hope they win by more than a touchdown? Right. Um, Washington State, I mean, you have last year in the back of your mind, but I think... If they cheat too much on Braylon Allen or Ches Malusi, that is a chance for Tanner Mordecai to really gash them. I don't. I'm not afraid of Washington State offensively. Right. Just trying to look at you know kind of the summary of last year's game while we're kind of going here. And ho- hopefully Badgers come out and 
want to just eat the shit out of them and after well, last year's loss. You, and... you kind of got to think that that's got to be the, the line of thinking, right? Uh, right. 17-14 uh, game last year at Camp Randall, which is insult to injury. Um, right. No points scored in the fourth quarter in that one. It was at halftime, the Badgers led 14 to 7, and then Washington State scored uh, 10 points in the third quarter, and nothing after that. Um, in that game last year, Cameron Ward was 17 to 28, 200 yards, a touchdown, two interceptions. Uh, Nakia Watson, 10 carries, 33 yards, and a score. Um, Graham Mertz. 18 of 31, 227 yards, two touchdowns, one interception, and Braylon Allen, 21 carries, 98 yards, because Malusi had the, the arm injury at that time last year. Um, so I, I feel pretty confident. Uh, the Badgers only gave up 253 yards against them last year, uh, 200 passing yards, 53 rushing. Um, I think that was just the kind of the, the point of that game was that the Badgers' offense was not good. Right. That was pretty much uh, it. You keep Washington State to 17 with in keeping Ward in check, you know, kind of looking at, you know, cause he, is, he is a dual threat. Uh, he had five carries for minus 60 yards, which I'm assuming probably sacks mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. without really kind of going through here too deeply. But you keep him in check. You, I mean, 200 yards passing were considered last week at 451. Um is what it is, but also the Cubs just took the lead on the Giants four to three in the bottom of the third, four run bottom third for the Cubs. So Giants got some work to do to help us out. We'll see if it ends up happening. Just want to give an update there as well. Brewers do have first and third, but top of the eighth. Uh, Bryce trying up 0-2 count. Brewers still lead seven nothing on that one. So we'll kind of update as we go through that one. But so that's. That's Badger football. Um, I, like you said, Sean, I'm going to say that they cover. I don't know if the, I think I'd probably go cover in the under of 58 and a half. 58 and a half. It is, yeah, I would, I would agree with you there. I think the only uh, Brewers just score on a pass ball. Bryce Terrain gets walked. And South Fraley comes in to score from third on a pass ball. Uh, so eight, nothing. Unless they're going to say this hit him, which in which case it would be bases loaded. Uh, umpires are gathering to discuss. Craig Council looks nervous as always, so nothing really shaking there. Um, it looks like he's going to come out and have a conversation with the umpire as well. Um, yeah, that got him on the foot. That's the correct call. Um, <laughs> uh, looking around the rest of the college football as well, uh, we mentioned the Colorado game earlier, uh, going out and beating TCU. On the road, 45-42, first game of Coach Prime. Uh, that was a fun game to watch, and huge win for Colorado. They end up making the AP Top 25. I believe they check in at 20, right behind Wisconsin. You you had to think they would make the AP, AP poll, though. Oh, absolutely, without doubt. Um, the other real big story, kind of, I mean, a lot of, one-sided games this last week, which to be expected opening week. Um, only one ranked matchup from the week of, or from the week, which was the North Carolina South Carolina border battle. I believe North Carolina, yeah, North Carolina won that the one thirty-one seventeen. Actually, no, that wasn't a ranked matchup. It was the Sunday night 
Florida State LSU, which Florida State at eight upsets LSU, the fifth-ranked team, 45-24. So only one top 25 matchup. Um, some of the games kind of looking around the rest of the, the lay of the land. Penn State beats West Virginia 38-15. Um, future Big Ten team, number six USC, beats Nevada 66-14. to Got to talk about number one, Georgia. They kicked the shit out of UT Martin, 48-7. Future Big Ten team, Washington, beats Boise State, 56-19. In Big Ten action, Ohio State beats Indiana, 23-3. A little slow start there for the Buckeyes. It was a close game at halftime. Uh, Number 15, Oregon, future Big Ten team. Uh, knocks off Portland State 81 to 7. Iowa gets the win over Utah State 24-14. Looking through the rest and then the last game of Big Ten ranked teams. It is Michigan getting the 30-3 win over East Carolina. So who's who's the team that got upset this week? Clemson got upset? Clemson getting upset by unranked Duke. Yep, uh, going from ninth, I believe, to 25th, barely staying in the top 25. One of the worst season opening losses by the Clemson Tigers in program history. Right. Looking ahead to week two, just kind of going through the Big Ten games or the games that matter for Big Ten fans. Uh, as we mentioned, Badgers, six and a half point favorite. That game on ABC Saturday night, uh, 6.30 p.m. So check your local oh, nice. affiliates for here us here in Wisconsin. That's Channel 2. Northeastern Wisconsin. Um, always got to mention Georgia, number one team right now. 42-point favorite over Ball State. Uh, that game, 11 o'clock kickoff on SEC Network. Do you take uh, the over on, over on that? What is the over-under on that? Um, 42-point the- spread and 52-and-a-half over-under. So you're looking at like a 52-10 or 53-10 win. That's doable. Great. I I take them to cover that. Think so? Hmm. I don't buy a ball. Forty-two is a big number, though. Ball State uh, lost Kentucky forty-four to fourteen. Week one. I suppose. Um, The ESPN matchup predictor, according to ESPN analytics, gives Ball State a one point three percent chance to win. So you're saying there's a chance. Um, other Big Ten impact games, uh, yeah, Ohio State taking on Horizon League uh, basketball school, Youngstown State. I believe they are an independent for football. The Youngstown State Penguins. Uh, no spread on that game from what I can see. The Penguins? The Penguins. Hmm. Uh, that yeah. game in Ohio State. Uh, tickets as low as $30 per dividend seat. So if you're in the Ohio area, you want to go watch the Buckeyes. Probably roll past uh, the Penguins. Be our guest. Um, number seven, Penn State hosts Delaware. Uh, no spread on that one here either. College games are weird like that sometimes. Um, looking through the rest of this here. Um, Nebraska in action against Colorado. Colorado is a three-point favorite at home. That game on Fox on 
the 11 o'clock slot, the big noon kickoff. Um, so local listings for that would be Channel 11 here in Northeast Wisconsin. Uh, number two, Michigan taking on UNLV on CBS 230. Uh, that is Michigan favored by 36 over the Rebels of UNLV. Uh, number f- eight, Washington taking on Tulsa. Washington, a 34-point favorite. Uh, just kind of looking through here. One ranked match. It looks like one ranked versus ranked matchup, that being Texas and Alabama. Alabama, a seven-point favorite in that one. What's Texas ranked? Uh, 11. 11. And then... The last big, quote-unquote, Big Ten ranked team, even though they're not in the Big Ten, actually two more. Uh, Oregon travels to Texas Tech. Ducks are a six-and-a-half-point favorite. And then USC hosting Stanford and USC a 29-point favorite. So that is officially week two college football. And a look around the scoreboard. Uh, which brings us to the NFL. And Green Bay Packers, as mentioned, officially in action this week uh, with the start of the regular season. Finally, the start of the Jordan Love show, and it is against the Bears. That is the America's Game of the Week slot 325 kickoff in Chicago. Uh, First game with Jordan Love. And... I kind of love it right now. There is a lot of talk going on this week between both sides, both players groups. Uh, Russell Douglas going on record saying today that he does not consider the Bears a rival because, quote, he has never lost to the Bears. Um, And a Chicago Bears player that I can't pick out the name right now also went on and said that he hates the Packers and has no anticipation. Like, he... He wants to beat them, and he said this is why he came to Chicago. Um, yeah, it's it's kind of, for the first time in a while, a, it kind of feels like that rivalry. Right. And very young teams, very hungry teams. Um, I mean, really, that's... That's all that you really need to say. It's, just, it's Bears Packers, Jordan Love versus hopefully the or Bears hope that they are a rebounding team. Yeah, this this could be a quarterback matchup we could see for the next ten years right now, or just this year. Could be either way. Right, or just <laughs> this year. Um, I believe the Packers they do. Green Bay does lead the all-time series 105 to 95-6. And the Packers have won 13 of the last 14 and have won eight straight in this uh, rivalry. I would be- I believe the last Bears win would have been the Brett Favre retirement game. Number retirement. Mm, okay. If, if my math checks out, I think that would be the last one. That was Thanksgiving at Lambeau. Yeah, seven years, right? Um, games, yeah. yeah. Seven years. 
It'd be around that, yeah, 20, 2017, 2016, somewhere in there. Eight straight, so that's four years. So it was um, oh. 2016. Oh, 2019. Or 13 to the, the 14th since 2016, and eight Wait. straight. So that is where that rivalry is at right now. It is. It has led, you know, to Russell Douglas's credit, it has been rather lopsided towards Green Bay as of late. But, again, that can all change with totally different teams. Um, Bears are a one-point favorite, technically speaking. You know, again, you kind of do the whole home team. Green Bay becomes a two-point favorite in reality gets the three, because of the three points home versus road, but... Should be interesting. I mean, there's no shortage of, of storylines. I mean, you talk about, is Jordan Love ready? Is he the guy? Is is Justin Fields the guy in Chicago? What is the Bears' identity going to be? Is, Jordan, is Justin Fields going to be a better passer? Or is it going to be a lot more of the same? Do the Bears do enough in the offseason, getting DJ Moore, getting, you know, re-signing Chase Claypool, um, keeping him around? Did they do enough to kind of change identity offensively? What is the Packers' offensive identity going to be? Is it going to be, you know, pound the ball and pass to basically pass to run? Um, kind of what we were talking about with the Badgers, just to kind of open the field up a little more. Packers do still have the two-head combination of Dylan and Jones, which I want to talk about here in a little bit. Um, and then you look at the whole Christian, you know, Christian Watson. You see the budding superstar that we saw it a lot of times last year, including late last season at Soldier Field as the Packers kind of went on their run-the-table run, if you will, that they would have had, that they came up one game short on. Is Romeo Dobbs going to be, you know, having that sophomore jump? What's the rookie Jaden Reed and Luke Musgrave going to look like? What's the defense going to look like? Is is it enough, you know, kind of looking back at last year's, is it as simple as Joe Barry just having eyes in the sky and letting the boys on the field do their thing. You know, so many different things, um, which all really culminate to it's time to play week one. All these stories don't matter because it's finally time for week one. Right. So Bears are a one-point favorite in that one. We'll get our picks here in a little bit. I do have to kind of backtrack something that I talked about last week, talking about the running back position. Um, and the Jonathan Taylor possible trade. Packers were named, I believe, Wednesday or Thursday last week as the other suitor outside of Miami for the services of Jonathan Taylor, who ended up going on the pup list as opposed to uh, being traded or being activated from that list to play the first four games. So Jonathan Taylor, former Badger running back, will miss the first four games of this season which sucks as a fantasy football owner, but also was great to draft him. <laughs> draft him low, have him on the bench as a store candidate who will be fresh come week four or five, whatever. Um, but where this becomes interesting, because the Packers were named as that potential other team, the alleged kind of rumor, you know, we talked about this last week, what the, what the value, what the return on that trade would have been and what would it have taken to get a deal done. 
allegedly speaking, this coming from um, the world of X or Twitter, whatever you want to call it, where take whatever you will for what it is, take it at surface value because there's obviously no one going to comment on it. Teams won't comment on it because it didn't happen. Um, it's all hearsay anyway. The alleged trade would have been Jonathan Taylor and the Colts would have wanted A.J. Dillon in a third-round pick. I feel like I would have rather gotten rid of Jones than A.J. Dillon, but... Well, both both Jones and Taylor, or excuse me, both Dillon and Taylor are free agents this year. Uh, Packers do have $15 million in cap room going into the start of the season, which... You know, I, I kind of said that, you know, when I when that broke, my first thought was, well, the Packers don't have cap room for this. What the hell is even going on? Right. You know, of course, it's going to go to the Dolphins. But then I looked, and the Packers actually have more cap room by about $4.5 million than what the Dolphins have. So I'm like, oh. You know, you can kind of start rationalizing it at that point where it's okay. You give him, you know, the, the 11 this year, plus uh, Dylan's salary off the books. And then you're looking at, you know, a deal maybe 15 or 16 next year, the next three years. Because really, and I said we said this last week, the only way that trade happens is if you re-sign a contract right away. Right. You're not you're not trading for a guy to have him for a season, especially where the Packers are at right now. Where, I mean, they're just not they're not a one year all in, more than likely at least in a way. Right. Exactly. Possibly. I mean, maybe people at 1265 know more than I do. Actually, we know they do, that they know more than I do. Mm-hmm. But the overall odds are they just, you know, they're not an all-in one-year team, so you got to figure that that restructure gets done or you resign right away as part of the trade. But where it gets interesting, like I said, that third round in A.J. Dillon, I don't hate that. I don't hate yeah. that at all. Like that's well, I don't, that is I don't a deal that I think if that's what it came down to, I mean, that's a lot better than what was being rumored for Jalen Waddle and two firsts. Right. Which, if that's also the case, I, you know, I'm this like this is a rumor. This is nothing more than that. We don't know if this is even the return because it feels like that's awfully low by comparison to what they wanted from Miami unless this is what the Packers offered and that was the the Colts saying no. That's very well possible too. And the, again, that's even if this is the actual trade that was discussed, but I feel like if if Ursay or whoever in the Colts calls and offers you Jonathan Taylor for a third and Dylan, that's a hard thing to say no to. I mean don't remember AJ Dillon Great human being, great to the state of Wisconsin, great for Door County, Northeast Wisconsin, Green Bay, you name it. And that's a huge loss in the community. But strictly in football terms, that's a deal I'm probably doing nine times out of ten. Right. More than likely, yes. Um, it really makes me think, before this broke, as to what the actual value of what the Packers could offer would be. 
And if that's their offer, I don't think that's a terrible starting place. They probably didn't get the trade done. Clearly it didn't. But it would have been it would have been interesting, you know, if that trade gets done or if you can, you know, I was kind of talking uh, over the weekend where, you know, if you think about like a Yash Nijman in a first or, you know, um, one of your veteran, you know, kind of your backup pass rushers or, you know, because you have six of them or you really have seven of them. If you kind of go with one of those younger pass rushers or one of those, you know, not like an Angabari or Finesse or anything like that, but you kind of go with one of those, like a Justin Hollins or someone who's a little bit more expendable. Um, it gets real interesting. Or even uh, like Jonathan Owens, the safety. Mm-hmm. Jonathan Ford. Simone, yep. Mr. Simone Biles. Yep, it's Owens. Thank you. Mr. Simone Biles, that's what I'm going to go with. Um be one of those player that groups that you kind of have a a surplus on, and if you would have had that three headed monster of Jones, Dylan, Taylor, and you kind of make Jones like your slot receiver, opposite Jaden Reed, you imagine that offense. Or you could throw a guy like Eric Stokes in or with a yeah, pick. Yeah, that, that too. I mean, that too. That'd be another guy that you could throw out. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I, I, like I said, it's it's all hearsay, but definitely worth mentioning. And I would be interested. I, I would love to see JT23 in the green and gold. And you never know what could happen. Right. By no means is this over. Right. You know, if there's interest once, there's going to continue to probably to be interest especially as the season kind of ticks along and he's owed less and less money off your books. Something to keep your eye on Packers fans. Yep. All right. Anything else you really want to get into before we get into our picture on Packers wise? No, I don't think so. All right. So with that, without further ado, the first week of the 16 game slot of picks we start off Thursday Night Football, which Shauna did not pick. Well, you know she's going Buffalo. Chiefs or Lions? Oh, I thought it was Buff- I thought Buffalo played on Thursday. No, they're, they're Monday Night Football against the Jets. Oh. So, I'm assuming she's going Chiefs. I'm, I'm going to... Uh, the Chiefs, a five-point, because we, as always, we pick against the spread. So the Chiefs are a five-point favorite season opener in Kansas City. I'm taking the Chiefs as well. Yeah, I'm going to take the Chiefs also. All right. Going through the noon slot Sunday. First NFL Sunday going around the horn. Um, We've got Ravens, Texans. Ravens are a 10-point favorite in that one. Shauna has the Ravens. I'm going Ravens as well. Yep, I'll go Ravens also. All right, also at noon, another CBS game. Bengals, Browns in Cleveland. Bengals a two-and-a-half-point favorite. I'm going to go Bengals. Yep, Bengals also. Shauna is also going Bengals. Shocker. Right. We might end up going unanimous on this whole thing, but... um, Another noon game, another CBS game, probably the game we're going to have here in Green Bay on CBS. Vikings-Buccaneers. Vikings are a six-point favorite at home. 
I'm thinking Vikings in that one. Sean has got the Vikings. Yeah, I'll go Vikings too. All right, here's maybe the first one that goes a little different. Uh, we've got Titans Saints in New Orleans. Shauna is going with the Titans. Saints are a three-point favorite. I'm going to take the Saints. I am also taking Saints. Shauna goes Titans. That's our first game different. Um, also, just because I've been doing it throughout the night, uh, three-run home run for the Pirates in the bottom of the ninth, nobody out. So clears the bases. Brewers still lead 7-3. to three. Um, looking at the next slate of games here, uh, Panthers, Falcons, Atlanta uh, in Atlanta, Atlanta a three and a half point favorite at home. Hmm. Panthers. Shauna is also going Panthers. I think I'm feeling Falcons in that one. I'm going to go different on that one, just to try to make up a game here. <laughs> All right. Um, also in the noon slot, we've got. Jaguars, Colts, and in Indianapolis, Jags a five-point favorite. I'm going Jags. Yeah, Jags also. All right. Uh, looks like two more noon games. 49ers-Steelers in Pittsburgh. 49ers a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Not one. I'm going 49ers. Yeah, I'll go 49ers also. Sean is also going 49ers. Um, last noon game, we've got the Commanders and the Cardinals in Washington. The Commanders, a seven-point favorite at home. Sean's going Commanders. I'm going Commanders also. Seven's a lot. But... Seven's a lot. That's where I'm I'm kind of coming and hawing here. I also don't know who the Cardinals starting quarterback is this week. I think it's Josh Dobbs. The guy from Tennessee? It is indeed Joshua Dobbs. Um because they decided to cut Colt McCoy. Right, which makes absolutely no sense. I mean, it makes sense because they're, they're definitely um, tanking. Well, but, but they still it doesn't make actual sense in terms of guys trying to you know win games. Right, but it's Kyler Murray, so I don't understand why they'd be tanking, but they do, they do whatever they want. I'm going to go Cardinals just because they don't trust the seven. I think that game ends up probably being a little closer. I could be dead wrong about that, but <laughs> seven's a lot for two not good teams. Right. Um, all right, then going to the 325 slot, we've got Raiders-Broncos. Shauna is going with the Raiders, who are the ups, or would be the upset on the road in mile high. Denver is a three-and-a-half-point favorite. I think I'm going to take Denver. I'm also taking Denver. I Sean think debut. Sean Payton's debut, Russell Wilson, the whole state's already buzzing because of Coach Prime. Right. He's Give me be the Broncos in that one. Sean Payton struggles. He's going to be the coach of the Broncos by the end of the year. What's that? Sean Payton struggles. Coach Prime will be the coach of the Denver Broncos by the end of the year. <laughs> it, it's not impossible. I'm not going to throw it out. All right. Uh, also in the 325 slot, we've got Dolphins-Chargers, that one in L.A. Chargers are three-point favorites. Pretty much a pick Um Who you got, Sean? Dolphins. Sean is also going Dolphins. I'm going to go Chargers in that one. I like them at home. 
I like kind of going early on. I think the Chargers have a lot more weaponry, uh, kind of spread out more. I think Tyreek and Waddle are better individually than anybody that the Chargers have offensively. But you got Eckler, you've got, you've still got Mike Williams for some reason. Like that's a stacked receiver group that isn't as good individually, but is a lot deeper. I think offensively, I think Justin Herbert's better than Tua. Right, I agree with you there. Um, but that's going to come down for me. Uh, the other three twenty-five matchup, we got Eagles Patriots rematch of a couple different Super Bowls. Uh, the Eagles are the favorites on that one, a four-point favorite on the road. I'm going to go with the Eagles in that one. Yeah, Eagles. I was expecting it to be more right around seven. Well, technically, it kind uh, of is, you know, with how it actually kind of breaks down. But um, Rams, Seahawks in the other 325 slot. Uh, Seahawks a five-point favorite at home. Shauna's going the upset. She's going with the Rams. I'm going to take the Seahawks. I'm also going to go Rams, but if I'm telling you, if I'm actually betting money on this, I'm not touching this game. No. This is my absolutely not game of the week. Right. Because I have no idea what the Rams are going to look like this year. I don't buy Geno Smith being the end-all, be-all in Seattle either. Right. I think they have some great receivers, but... Geno's not... just got to be serviceable. It's pretty he much... does. That, that's the thing. Um, you, you know, you kind of look at this matchup. It's Matt Stafford's a better quarterback. You know, you don't really know who's going to be the lead back. For the Rams, you don't know if Cooper Cup's going to be a go. Right. Assume so, but, you know, he got re-injured again this week in practice or late last week. So, you, you know, it's just kind of one of those toss-up ones. So, it really could go either way. All right. And then uh, just the last game, we haven't talked about the 325 slot. Packers, Bears. Bears, the one-point favorite at home. Shauna is going Packers. I'm going Packers. I'll go Packers, too. I I just I don't foresee them losing this week. I think, as a whole, Green Bay is better at just about every position. Offensively and defensively. And, you know, you kind of talk about Geno Smith being serviceable. All Jordan Love has to do is be serviceable. All he has to do is be Jordan Love, which... As people may or may not know, Aaron Rodgers said that exact same thing this week. Right. He kind of gave. He had a really, actually, a really interesting read um, in Sports Illustrated for the Packers coverage with Bill Huber uh, talking about kind of you know that Jordan is ready for this job and that um, he doesn't have to be anything spectacular. He just has to go out and be Jordan Love. Uh, if you get a chance to read it, by all means, go check it out. Really interesting, great read um, from a guy who has seen it all, who went through those shoes and kind of knows what to experience in that. Two more games to pick here, Sean. We've got Sunday Night Football, Cowboys, Giants in New York, or technically in New Jersey, but um, in New York, Cowboys a two and a half point or three and a half point in favor, excuse me, on that one. Uh, Sean's got the Cowboys. I think I'm going to go Cowboys as well. I'm going to go Giants. Are you doing it to be different, or are you doing it because that's what you believe? 
At, I, be, I believe in Daniel Jones. Interesting. Over Dak. Real, real quick, I, I do not believe in Saquon this year. I think he's going to regress. Um, that's my, my hot take for the, the upcoming season. Gotcha. And then the last game of the week, at MetLife, Monday Night Football, Bills, Jets. The Bills, a two-and-a-half-point favorite on Monday Night Football. Shauna has the Bills. I'm real curious where you're going with it, Sean. I think I think you're going Bills. Yeah, for sure, I'm going Bills. Shocker, I'm going Jets. I know you are. I got the Jets shirt on today. I, I've got the feeling that and this is gonna. It's, it's all because of hard knocks. The it, the hard knocks factor is real. <laughs> the Jets just aren't going to lose Monday Night Football Week One in New York on 9/11. And I'm not trying to be that guy. That's just it's not going to happen. Okay. Especially with what Stefan Diggs is a little dinged up to. I'm just It's not gonna matter. Madden curse, Josh Allen, I don't know. Give me give me the Jets in that one. Shocker. Great, shocker. Um officially Shauna did pick the Chiefs. So which we knew, but we didn't know. Uh, right. So that is our NFL picks. I will probably have to go back and record or write these down because I did not do that as we were doing these. Come on, one job. It's not usually my job. That's what we have Secretary Trump. Well, then make her go back and listen to it. No, she's not going to do that. <laughs> I, I know better. It's, that's going to come on to me. Um, anyway, so that is going to pretty much wrap up our show. As always... We've got a bar of the week coming up, and we've got our what we are rooting for in the upcoming week. I'm gonna go for. I'm gonna start. We're gonna go a little bit backwards here. I'm gonna go with what we are rooting for in the upcoming week first. Um, it's simple as this. It's football season. Fantasy football. Badgers, Packers, Jets. Slash just general Monday night football. It's it's back. It's Saturdays and Sunday being on the couch or in the recliner. It's it's one of the best times of the year. You're scoreboard watching in baseball. You've got, you know, if you're like me, that game or come Sunday afternoon, here's exactly what's going to be the setup. You're sitting in my recliner, which is the corner of the living room. Packers on the big screen of the TV. Brewers on my phone and my laptop. They're probably my laptop. Fancy football on my phone just all in all it's a great sports weekend um so i, I am looking forward to it. also got a shout out uh evil destruction wir hitting that up friday night nice what do you got for us sean well i'm going to heydays this weekend so that's that's what i'm what my plan is for the weekend so i'm going to minnesota for the weekend Leaving Friday, coming back Sunday. What is heydays for our listeners, Sean? Uh, the official start of winter. So it's a snowmobile kind of swap meet. You got 40, 50 acres of swap meet, and then 
all brand new snowmobiles and everything like that, plus all the old ones. It's a great time. Put, going to be putting on probably six, seven miles of walking, and so it'll be a lot of fun. Lindstrom, Minnesota. Yep. Just even trying to gather where that is. Just over the border by St. Croix Falls. Uh, just on the north side of Twin Cities. Yep. All right. North North Branch, I think, is the actual the actual city. Hades is in. I looked it up. It says Lindstrom. No, uh, it's North Branch. Well, the, it also says she's. Looks like Chicago, but with an S instead of a C. County. Sure. Whatever. Not that important. Um, so, so always look forward to this every year, and it's going to be a great time. Very nice. Uh, real quick, I, I, she's not on the episode, but Shauna is going wedding dress shopping this weekend with her mom, my mom, her two sisters, her grandma. Um, I believe that's who's all going. Um means I do not get to sleep in my own bed on Friday night because they're having a girls' night before they go shopping. Oh, so where do you get to stay? I don't really know yet. We'll see how uh, see how even construction goes from stay. Good deal for employees. Well, it might be at the uh, Casa de Ramsey, <laughs> or it could be at the Casa del de Jody. Well, Jody's not coming down for a girls' night. She is taking care of dogs for my aunt. Oh, oh that's right. Yep. Um, so she will be elsewhere. So it'll just be the Casa del Dave. Gotcha. But we will have to see how even destruction goes because the last time we went to this, I was in no driving shape. Right. And that is seemingly what very well could be the case as well this year. That makes uh, sense. Real quick, uh, just because I know that we're apparently going here as well on Friday as part of our afternoon excursion. Took a couple hours off at the end of Friday. Ramsey said they got like a party van from work. Um, we're going to Pub 55 in Kikana before we go to uh, before we go to Even Destruction. I guess they have a Kid Rock impersonator playing. Nice. Um, and I have not been there. I've heard nothing but good things. 4.1 stars on Google. Um, I know Ram speaks very highly of it. Some of the reviews here, great service, great food and portions. Began with cheeseburger on gluten-free bun. The sweet potato chips will be back. That's a five-star review coming from Lisa. Um, so looking at some of these other reviews here, but uh, place is great. Stopped in, just check it out. Found the atmosphere and bartender compliment one another. Uh, come back a week later. We had a pretzel, which was the biggest he'd ever come across of as a pizza. Pretzel was perfect. A bit of crunch, tasty interior cheese dip, which came along with it was nice and spicy without diminishing the flavor of the pretzel. Cannot wait to come back and try the fish fry. Um, this is what a great bar should be open without being congested. Indoor, outdoor seating and entertainment, although I was not there for the music. Um, that coming on a five-star review from Dan a couple weeks ago. So, that is our bar of the week and that wraps up our episode uh, Brewers just got the 7-3 win over the Pirates and the Giants just tied it up in Chicago in the top of the 6th 4-4 thanks to a Jock Peterson double Wilmer Flores scores so Brewers magic number at 22 as of tonight not done yet could be 21 by the time the episode airs tomorrow morning with that said 
for Shauna, Justin, Rams, who aren't here. I'm Eric Fisher, the Big E, joined by Sean this week. Be sure to check out our social media channels, as always, for the latest in Wisconsin news and sports as it happens. Until then, we're out. We'll see you next week. See ya.